I, we truly do feel so at home. We feel like we are family. You have treated us like family, and we are part of one body. And I'm excited what God is doing in our church, and he is continuing to move us and move in us. I'm excited what he's going to teach us individually as well as as a church this morning. So we're going to continue the, the series, Finish the Race, that Pastor Angel began two weeks ago, uh, describing qualities of the Christian life and the race we are to run. Uh, last week, he talked about cross-training and cross-bearing, and then he brought out three commitments uh, we need to make as we follow Christ uh, and his example and the, and the way that we submit to him. So we are now uh, starting a new title. Our title this morning is called In Shape to Run the Gospel Shape. Excuse me, In Shape to Run the Gospel Race. Say, In Shape. How are you in shape? Well, if you're not, by the end of today, maybe you will be. Let's keep working on it. You know, our topic reminds me of an encounter I had 22 years ago. I've been teaching kindergarten for 22 years. I have loved every minute of it. It never grows boring when you're working with five-year-olds. And let me tell you a story that exemplifies that. Uh, It was my first year teaching kindergarten in uh, Golden Valley, Cutler Rossi. And we always, of course, every year we take our annual trip during the community helpers theme. We take our trip to the this year to Dinuba to our fire station, police station. Uh, we visit the library as well. So we, we came and we came in several classes. In my class, you know, all the classes would would travel around to the three different stations, three different areas. And my class had just visited the. The fire station, we just saw the big old trucks and they honked the horns and saw all the hoses and then they got to uh, blow or shoot the hoses and they had a blast and then we went to the paramedics and uh, the paramedics did their spiel and, and showed all and inside and outside of the, of the ambulance. And then, uh, the, the ambulance driver that was, or the paramedic that was sharing the spiel gets down like this and goes, guys, guys, come here. So all the kids get all excited, and they come real close to him, and they say, I have a secret for you. And they're all excited. Oh, really? They're like this. And they say, okay, come here, come here. You are now going over to see the police officers. And they go, woo And he goes, yeah, but wait. I need to tell you something about police officers. All they do is sit around and eat donuts and get fat. And they're going, Really? They believe in everything. They don't know about the rivalry, you know, that we all know between firefighters and police officers. And so I thought, you know, it's going to it's going to stop right there, and nothing's going to come of it, right? I'm chuckling. I know what's going on. <clears throat> but then we something surprising. We walk through the police station, and wouldn't believe it. Out coming out the door along along our line is this huge six foot four, two hundred and fifty pound police officer. He's not buff. This guy's got a pot belly on him. He's huge. You can tell he's out of shape. And I listen and I hear two little boys in the back of me whispering. And one little boy by the name of Jonathan whispers over and says, Look. There goes the donut, man. (laughs) Nothing escapes 
teenagers either. Nothing escapes kindergartners. You know, the, the police officer obviously was out of shape and probably needed some conditioning. He probably needed some exercising. <clears throat> I doubt he was going to be running any marathon soon. But in our passage today, Paul begins to take this analogy, continues this analogy of running the race as a believer, as a disciple, as a follower of Christ. And he gives us some hints or some exercises of what he has done to condition himself for the race and what we can follow in order to run the same race. So would you go to prayer with me? I want to continue to get us ready. Uh, as the Lord uh, speaks to us, would you have that with me? <clears throat> Father, we just praise you this morning. We come before you and we uh, open up your word and we open up our hearts and we recognize the condition of our, of our running and our lives and we, we commit that to you. We submit to you and we lean on your grace and we lean on your your good news, your gospel, and we ask that you speak. We ask that, that your word prophesy over us, that your word speak and illuminate and radiate to us what your calling for us is for today. My words I recognize are will fall Void unless you speak, Lord. We invite your Holy Spirit to come before us. Speak, move, touch, restore, and call, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you ready? We're going to go uh, to Acts chapter 20, verse 17 to 24. You can follow along as I read. In the New King James Version, it says, From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus, and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. All right, well, I'm going to begin just with a little background. Uh, so Paul here was sailing from Greece uh, to Jerusalem. He was in a hurry to get to Jerusalem. Most people would be surprised that he would be in a hurry, but he was. He felt called. The Spirit had, had told him that he needed to get to Jerusalem, and he was on his way. And he didn't want anything to distract him. So the boat is going past. It goes past Ephesus, uh, about 30 miles past. And then he realizes 
that he really needs to encourage his old disciples. He really needs to speak to the pastors of the church of Ephesus, where he began his, began his first missionary journeys there. So he sends for the elders and pastors of that church to meet him in Miletus, where the ship had docked. And he begins to lay out uh, for them how to run the same race he was running. He begins to lay out this conditioning plan, if you will, of how he ran and how he encourages them to continue to run. So let's go back. I actually want to start right from the end on verse 24, and then I want to backtrack a little bit, because I think it's so important. Paul qualifies this race. We've already talked about that the Christian life is like the, like a race we are running, right? We've talked about that. But Paul makes a little bit more, makes a little bit more detailed exactly what the race is. And it gets really cool. He says, but none of these things move me. We'll be talking about that a little bit in a few minutes. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. Now get this. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So here Paul clarifies that this race, his race and my race and ministry is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. What is this gospel? You may know, some of you have heard, you've maybe been reading the word of God for a while. The word is used for gospel is euangelion. My Greek is pretty bad, but I think it's more or less, that's how you pronounce it. It's either eu or euangelion, where we get the word evangelism, evangelist, uh, evangelical. Uh, and the word means good tidings or good news or good story. Uh, there's several, uh, several definitions, but it's good. And I always thought, you know, as I was working through, I was thinking, why is the word translated good? Why is it good news? You know, it reminds me, as I was thinking through this, how many of you have seen those AT&T commercials where they say, it's just okay? How many of you, none of you have seen those? How about the one that the, the, there's a patient, he's going to get surgery, and the, the surgeon comes running in, and he says he's he's so excited about the surgery, and uh, the only problem is he says it's so great I've been reinstated I'm ready again, yeah. And then all of a sudden the eyes are rolling in the patient and his wife, and he looks over and, t- and they say to the nurse, "Is he good?" And she says, "He's okay." That was not the news he wanted. And the, the logo is always, just okay is not good enough. But the gospel of the grace of God and of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you, is not just good news. Can you hear me? If we were once sinners, get this, if we were once sinners, Dead to sin, and in Christ, we were raised to life. It's not just good news. If we were once condemned, 
to eternal judgment in hell, in fiery hell forever and ever, but then have been given eternal life through our confession of faith in Christ Jesus, and we will now live forever with Jesus. It's not just good news. If our sins were washed away and we have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, if we were once considered enemies of God, but now become friends of God, and if we were once lost and orphaned, but now have been adopted as children of God, that's not just good news. That's the best news ever. Hello? Sometimes we just... See it as good news. It's not just good news. What we have, the gospel of grace, is the best news ever. And we need to run the race of the gospel knowing, having experienced, living out the best news. Do you run the race with the best news in your heart, in your mind, in your mouth? Think about it. Ephesians 1.13 states how Paul felt to the Ephesians earlier. He says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, this gospel, this best news of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Paul is also saying to these Ephesian pastors, who, by the way, were once his disciples, and many of his other, uh, Quilla, Priscilla and Quilla and Timothy, all this team worked, excuse me, worked really hard, worked really hard to, to disciple and raise up leaders and pastors. But this gospel, he says, is not just my race. I'm almost finished, but you will continue. It's now your race as well. But this, Gospel is not just my race. It's not Pastor, just Pastor Angel and Pastor D's race. It is your race. And I'm here to tell you this morning, it is our race. Yes, we run in the same, we run in our different lanes. Yes. But it is our race. It is the same race. It is the gospel race. And it is the best race. It is the only race. It is the best news ever. You know, if you ask any long-distance runner how to prepare for a race, how to condition, they will describe a whole lengthy, detailed route or detailed steps of how they condition for a race. As they get closer and closer to the meet or the race, their workouts get more and more intense. And consequently, their, fa- their times get faster and faster. And it becomes all about how they condition their bodies. Now, I haven't been the best runner, maybe, but I was in track one or two years, and I've experienced it personally myself. Uh, I, I did uh, cross-country for one year, track for two years. And I know even as a freshman, I, when I started, I was so out of shape. I could hardly run a mile, and it was slow. But the more and more I began to run with excellent runners, we had one state champion in cross country, and I ran with him, well, some of the time. (laughs) 
He usually left me in my desk. But a lot of times, he would run with me. And he would give me all the, the tricks of the trade, how to put my hands, how to relax my, my arms when I was running, how to extend my diaphragm, how to continue to run. And as I ran with him, I began to get better and better. And by my sophomore year, uh, in, in track, in, in sophomore year was my first year in track, and I should have been on JV, but as I ran, God continued to strengthen and condition my body, and, and I was already to, able to move from JV to varsity because I was conditioning my body and because I was running with others as well that knew how to condition their bodies and my body. And it's exciting to see how that works. So let's continue to, in verses 18 and 19. Let's go back. So we're going to start kind of from the top now. It says, And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know how from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. So I want to highlight this morning uh, and suggest four what I would call conditioning exercises. Say conditioning exercises. There we go. You're with me. That Paul lived on in his life that we as well as disciples and followers of Christ, how we can condition our lives to run this gospel race. So exercise number one. Can you say it with me? Focus on serving the Lord. I didn't hear you. Let's try it again. Focus on serving the Lord. Very good. Romans 12, 11 to 13. Paul says it in this way in the Passion Translation. Be enthusiastic to serve the Lord. Keeping your passion toward him. I love this. Voiding hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit. And let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. Let this hope burst forth within you, releasing a continual joy. Don't give up in a time of trouble, but commune with God at all times. Take a constant interest in the needs of God's beloved people and respond by helping them. And eagerly welcome people as guests into your home. Amen? You know, as I thought about this, I I really... I think of CWC. I think of uh, how exciting it is to see people serving the Lord with all humility, passion, excitement. I have seen faithful disciples serve with diligence in children's ministry with Marina and her crew. How exciting it is to see them uh, reaching out to our kids, ministering to them every week. Our youth leaders work diligently to serve our our youth. I've seen that in my own kids, and I am so thankful as a dad um, and as a minister to see how our youth leaders are are working hard. I can't say enough. I mean, almost every Sunday we see the women's ministry teams work, arduous work, and seeking out women, uh, wanting to minister in depth with them. It's so awesome to see 
I love talking about our PW crew. You guys are the bomb. It is so wonderful to see. I was telling Cutler this, and I, I even said this last time I preached, um, how they, you can tell they're in the Word. You can tell they're in the Word preparing for the message because everything flows right together. Sometimes I feel like I'm not even needed because they've already pre- sung the message. They've already worshipped the message, and they prepare us so well. And I can't say enough how thankful I am to you guys. Uh, and our armor bears uh, are like rock, you know. I, it makes me want to preach every Sunday, Pastor, because I'm spoiled. They spoil us, don't they? I gave me a beautiful basket to my truck. I can't wait to dive in when I'm done. Uh, they just take care of us. They're truly armor bearers. Really, kind of thank you. And Rebecca and Jay, they were just, they just take care of me this morning. And I, I feel so blessed. Um, but it's not just people who serve in the limelight. You know, when you serve, you can serve uh, by bringing a meal to someone, by bringing uh, a dessert when it's time when we're going to fellowship together. You can serve when you see or hear someone uh, is sick. You can go to their house. If they're in the hospital, you can see where they're at. You can go visit them. There is millions of ways that all of us can serve and and we can we can invite people into our homes we're going to talk a little bit about that but there are so many each way each day that we can serve and all of these are examples of how we can stay in shape as we run the race of the gospel race as we serve i have found out that the more i serve the stronger i get the more in tuned to what I know God is, is moving and how he's moving. And the less I serve, kind of like that police officer, fatter I get spiritually. Really, the more lethargic I get spiritually. How many of you experienced that? Or is it just me? It really is. Serving is like a conditioning. You're running. But when you're not running... You can't get ready to continue the race of the gospel. And so serving is a key area, and everyone can do it. I don't care where you are at in your life with Christ, where you're just beginning, you just accepted the Lord today or yesterday, you can begin to serve. I love to see that even here. People are just getting baptized, and boom, you got them. They're in the greeting. They're right there. I love that. And as you begin to know the Lord and as you serve, you get stronger and stronger. It's beautiful. All right. Well, exercise number two. Can you say it with me? Focus on making disciples. Verse 20. Paul says, I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. You know, the early church was actually started this way. Acts 2, 40 through 47. I want to read it to you. I'll try to uh, read quickly. But the uh, Passion Translation says it so 
uh, eloquently. It says, Peter preached to them and warned them with these words, be rescued from the wayward and perverse culture of this world. Those who believed the word that day numbered 3,000. They were all baptized and added to the church. Every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teachings of the gospel, of the apostles, excuse me. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. A deep sense of holy awe swept over everyone, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they were even sold their assets to to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily, they met together in the temple courts, and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to the number daily those who were coming to life. Is that awesome or what? Paul and the other early disciples were focusing their race on making disciples. That was their focus. They shared the word openly in public avenues, and they did it from house to house. They did both. You know, I truly believe that God's word um, has spoken to me. I, I really have struggled. I didn't share this in um, color, but... I need to tell you, I did not sleep very well this week. Partly it was a problem with my dog. He was barking a lot. She was barking a lot. But I do believe that God was stirring in me. Uh, But it's not something that is even this week. Um, Discipleship is a passion of mine. Uh, And as I read through this, and even before Pastor invited me uh, and asked me to preach, um, last couple months, God has been giving me uh, dreams, giving me uh, pictures, if you will, of what uh, is to come. And I believe that there is a prophetic word. The word is here. It's it's prophecy. It's I don't have to come up with it. It's it's here for us. What He is speaking to us as a church. God is calling us to turn a new page. I really believe that in ministry and how we make disciples. I believe there are new ways God has for us and how we can focus on going to where people are. Maybe we can focus on bringing people into our homes for dinner and go, or going to visit new friends and theirs. Maybe there's a, a way to get together in someone's home with a few brothers or sisters or someone seeking God and, and, and pray and read the word with them. It is in the home where we can reach the heart of individuals, where we can reach the family, where we can reach the heart of our community. But we can go also, not just from home to home, but it says publicly. I love the fact that no matter where we can go, we meet people. We can go from uh, football game to to soccer games, from basketball games to a golf golf, uh, tournament. We can go from... uh, 
Pastor Angel and I, we love to go to Starbucks and Perkos. You know, I love that one. We can go from our workplace to lunch with one another. With a colleague of yours that's struggling, you see them struggling. And you can invite them to lunch with you and and pray with them, uh, share with them, talk with them. But it is through going. We can't just uh, expect that new disciples are going to be made as we call them up. We need to go. We need to go. Even if uh, you are, well, I forget where I was at. Oh, there we are. So now you might say, well, Brian, you're thinking really big. You're, you're thinking really serious. I just, all I want to live is a normal Christian life. I'm here to tell you, there's not such thing as a normal Christian life. There's no normal. There's no such thing. And we need to take serious Jesus' call and his great commission to all disciples and all followers of Christ. Uh, those of you, almost all of you probably have uh, heard Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and we consider it called the Great Commission. Let me read it to you. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things they have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, sometimes we, we see that, that go as a command, right? Go. Right? Well, if I want to go, I'll go. And when I'm ready to go, I'll go. We think that sometimes, no? But this, the grammar right here, You've probably heard it. I'm probably preaching against the wall here, but we've heard we've heard a lot. It's not go. Did you know that? It's not go. It is go, but it's not a command. It's present participle. As you go, it's assumed that we're going. It's not go, go, go now, go. It's as you go and as you are uh, a disciple of Christ, Or in a sense, since you are a true believer and since you are a disciple, go and make disciples. So almost an evidence or a mark of our conditioning as disciples is that we are going. And we're doing it individually as well as corporately together as, as one church. As we go, we are making disciples. Let's continue as we prepare. Exercise three. Can you read it with me as well? Focus on testifying. Try it again. There you go. Paul uses this word. Did you know he uses it three times? In this small little passage. Three times. The word is, <clears throat> in the Greek, it's diap, I can't even say it. Diap, diamartidomai. There we go. Say it three times. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. Diamartidomai. I love it because it, it, it says, it means to bear 
total, complete, thorough witness, not leaving anything out. Diamartidomai. We are to diamartidomai. We're supposed to testify. We're supposed to share everything we know about Jesus. Everything. Acts 10.42 says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify, to say everything we know, that it is he who has ordained by God, or was ordained by God, to be judge of the living and the dead. Again, I think it's easy to say, well, I'm not Paul. I'm not you, Brian. I'm not Pastor Angel. I'm not a preacher. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not even a leader yet. So just kick back, Brian. But I'm here to tell you, God's word is actually telling you that we are all called to testify in some way and share everything. Amen. Give a witness. And share everything we know of what God has done for us. Again, it is the best news ever. It shouldn't be very hard. Just to open our hearts and our minds and our mouths and say, do you know what God has done? Can I tell you where I was and now where I'm at? How God has healed me? And now I need to share with you what God is doing. And Paul had every reason to quit and say, you know, I've had too many struggles, too many oppositions. I'm probably going to be killed in a, in a few months, in a few years. Who knows? I'm just going to shut up and sit down. Did he? Oh, no. He kept testifying. You know, I'd like to share with you, I've had my own struggles. Paul had his struggles. We all have our struggles now. And, and just recently I've gone through, uh, this summer was a doozy for me. And then even extended into the fall. In June, uh, I found out that, well, I just realized, I woke up this mo- one morning and I began to um, experience severe arthritis, pain, aches in every joint of my body. Some of you maybe remember in, in the summer you might have seen me walking through and I was not moving like I'm moving now. Uh, you know, I would, my knees weren't, they were locked. I had to, I would walk like this. My toes were severely in pain, so I couldn't bend them. So I walked like this for a good month or two months. Um, I couldn't, I had a hard time putting t-shirts on. I remember one time just trying to get a shirt on. Uh, it took me five minutes to get a t-shirt on because I was stuck. And I couldn't dress myself. Excuse me, someone's calling me. They don't know when I'm preaching. And I couldn't eat. My jaw was locked. So every time I opened my mouth to eat a piece of meat, I couldn't chew it. So I couldn't eat. I, I lost weight. I, was, I lost five, eight pounds or so. And I was really struggling. But it reminded me uh, over 25 years ago how I was diagnosed with lupus. And it was, I started to realize, you know what? I think I might be going uh, out of remission. So I went back to my doctor. Sure enough, he said, yep, you're out of remission. We need to begin your regimen again of, of uh, prednisone, steroids, 
methotrexate, you name it. It's not a fun treatment. But I want to tell you this morning that God is working in, through, and despite my doctors being two months late, uh, God has is and has and continues to heal me. I feel so energetic and so excited. And I don't give any glory. I don't give any glory to prednisone. I don't give any glory uh, to my doctor, even though I'm very thankful. I give all the glory and honor to God. And you know what? I've had so many awesome experiences Almost every day now, I'm sharing with my colleagues at school about what God has done. Before, it was kind of hard, you know, to get a conversation started. Uh, I I struggled, you know, because everybody wants to say, you know, stay in your own zone. You know, don't talk to me about your, your religion, your faith. But you know what? I can't shut up when God has told or shown me what he has done. So I just tell them. And they're excited. They're excited what God has done. And then that opens the door for me to listen to what they're doing, what they're going through. And I'm able to testify what God can do for them. And God use, uses our struggles like that. He uses our, our sicknesses. He uses our opposition. He uses our issues at home. He uses whatever he wants. And he wants you to use it to testify And all of us can do it. We have to testify. And it's the best news ever. Come on now. Acts 10.42 says, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained. Oh, we read that. I'm sorry. I'm going on my notes. Let's move on. Last one. We're going to finish with the last exercise. Exercise four. Focus on the race and not yourself. Can you say that with me? Focus on the race and not yourself. You know, it's so easy today in our culture and our society to be detoured or distracted in running the gospel race, isn't it? It's so easy. It can be our health problems. It can be our family problems, work issues, You name it. Anything can easily run us off course. But in today's culture, everything seems to be about me, about self. It doesn't take you very long to listen to too many secular songs, and it's all about me. Don't tell me nothing. I'm going to live my life. You know, don't tell me nothing. It's all about me, what I want, what I feel, and that's all that matters. You don't have to listen uh, to or watch too many movies, and it's all about that one actor and all about what's going on in their life. And you don't have to 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 read too many uh, things on Facebook or Twitter to see it's all about self, isn't it? Everybody's talking about their priorities, what they're doing. And you know what? There's a time for that. There's a time for Facebook. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not badgering Facebook or Twitter or, or all the media. But you know what? It's not just about ourselves. And Paul figured it out. 
You know, if we aren't careful, our priorities can easily and subtly keep us from running the race that he has called us. I'll close with one final passage. Um, I love the way the message translation shares Paul's take on what our priorities of self should be in, the, in this letter. He, he writes to the Philippian church, and it is kind of blunt, so I'll preface it. But I, I love it because it, I don't have to say any more after reading this. It says Philippians 3, 7 to 9. The very credentials, these people, the religious people, are waving around as something special. I'm tearing up and throwing out with the trash, along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all the things I once thought were so important are gone from my life compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master. Firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. He calls it dog dung. I dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I didn't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules. When I get to the, when I could, and I could get to the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Wow. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? And actually, I just want to allow you to begin to, to allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you and invite uh, our PW crew, if you can continue to support uh, our hearts as we minister, as we allow God to touch us. God is speaking to us today. He's speaking to you individually, and he's speaking to us as a church, and we want to invite him to illuminate and to share with us what is it that he has spoken to us about. But I want to invite us kind of in two parts this morning. I want to do things a little bit different. So continue to minister to your, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to your heart as you hear the music. But I want to speak first uh, to those of you, how perhaps you're here for the first time. Perhaps you've been here for a few weeks or a few months, and yet you recognize that you want more of that gospel this best news ever. And if you are to really be honest with yourself, you're saying, you know, do I really know this gospel? Do I really, am I really a disciple of Jesus Christ? Maybe you've been following a list of rules and, and yet you want more. You want more. And you want to understand your new salvation. Or maybe you just haven't ever done it. Everybody thinks you have. Everybody assumes you have. But you recognize you have not confessed your sins. That he has quite not yet washed you with his beautiful blood. And he wants to do it right now. 
And may the two presumptuous but I want to invite you, if you have never accepted the Lord as your personal Savior, and you are ready to do that, or you are ready to confirm that once and for all, I want you to be brave. I encourage you, right where you are, just to raise your hand. Is there anyone in the house tonight, this morning, that you recognize that you have never done it? You have never accepted this gospel of grace. Would you raise your hand? Is there anyone that we can pray for? Amen. All right. But then the next call is for all of us. You know, perhaps you are here today and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you about one of these ways that he is calling you to focus on. One of these conditioning ways. You recognize that you have not been in shape, perhaps the way that you used to be, and you've gotten out of shape. But God is saying, you know what? I want you to serve. Listen to his gentle voice. He's calling you out to serve in one capacity. He might even be telling you showing you which way he wants you to serve. Perhaps he's telling you, you know, it's time I be a disciple and it's time I learn how to make disciples. I recognize that I've been doing doing the service and doing the ministry You are called to make disciples. You are called to be a part of one body and to do it together. And you're recognizing, yep, I'm ready. I'm ready. Maybe your your area, your conditioning focus needs to be on testifying. You recognize you've you've had a tight lip. And you haven't shared the best news ever that you have. And you've been quiet about it. And you're saying no more. No more. It is time that I share with everyone I can how you have healed me, how you have restored me, how you have saved me. How I'm so excited who God is to me. Do you want God to reveal to you how you are to testify? You want His anointing. This altar is for you. And I want to even break out of the mold and even say, you know what? If you don't even feel called to come individually. The call is for us as a church. God is speaking to us as CWC, and he is saying, Church, it is time to raise up, walk up, and serve, testify, make disciples. It is time. And if you are ready as a church, 
If you are ready as individuals, I invite you. The altar is here. Come on up. It is time. Come up, church. Come. Come. Come.